Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Here we go, guys. It's trade deadline stashes. Parenthetical remark. Maybe. Because let's be honest here, right at the outset, as fun as this concept is of a trade deadline stash, the magical, sometimes almost mythical player who you pick up, I guess now would be about three weeks, depending on when you watch the show, it might be a little bit less than that, before the trade deadline, who steps into a monster role afterwards. Once in a blue moon, this works. Once in a blue moon. Last year, Mark Williams was a pretty good example of that, although then Charlotte went into a rest one center every game out of the three that they had. So even that was a little bit iffy. But you look at teams and you say, all right, who's the guy, oftentimes, on a crappy young team, waiting in the wings, who needs a veteran traded out in front of them? And last year, you looked at Mark Williams, and all right, well, Mason Plumley gets out of here. Mark gets to play. And then he played, and then Nick Richard played, and then I already forgot who the third center was on the team at that point. But sometimes this works. And the reason we're doing a show on it is because a lot of you on social, in the chat rooms, any place you can get a hold of me, have said, who are you stashing for the deadline? The simple answer is nobody. But that's not fun. So we're doing a show today on a few names that might be worth stashing, some of them closer than others, and we'll try to break down who has the best odds from among some of these names. Mind you, there are going to be some other ones that pop up out of the blue. This is not a comprehensive list, not by a long shot. But let's talk about a few of them, see if we can isolate a name or two that might step into some better value. First of all, this is Dan. Uh, this is Fantasy NBA Today. I am Dan Bespris, at Dan Bespris over on social media. If you're watching this on YouTube, please click the like button and subscribe. If you're watching on Twitter, please follow at Dan Bespris. That's the easiest thing to do. You can also pop stuff in the chat room. Everybody can feel free to talk amongst themselves. And if you're listening after the fact, now that we have switched over to the wonderful realm, that is the Believe Network of Podcasts, first of all, another big thank you to those guys for uh, bringing us aboard Uh, Please take a moment to subscribe, leave a five-star review, and also come find me over on social as well. And everybody, please take five seconds to navigate over to our Trade Deadline Live page, which is going to have coverage starting at 7.30 in the morning on Thursday, February the 8th. That's Pacific time, way before the start of the actual, like, ramp up to the Trade Deadline. We'll have the whole morning together to go over that stuff. And click like. Just a quick thumbs up on that bad boy. We're almost at 260 right now. Pre-likes before the show. Those are so critically important because when I hit the go button on that show on that Thursday, February 8th morning, if we already have five or 600 likes on the show before it even starts, that's how we jump out in front of everybody else that's just getting started and how we hit the YouTube algorithm and make it the best damn day, the best damn day ever. That link is in the show description. It's also on your screen if you're watching with us here uh, on any of the visual elements of our show. But let's go ahead and make the uh, stashes graphic here that I provided a little bit larger, and let's get into the first name on the list. And that first player is Gary Trent Jr., who I've talked about on this podcast a little bit. And the reason he's a stash 
is because, well, number one, we've seen him put up fantasy value before. That's, I guess, part of the story. The other part of the story is that the guy that right now is kind of battling him for playing time and shots and usage is Bruce Brown, who we've heard the Raptors are considering trying to move along to another location. They feel like maybe they could get perhaps a first for him or something good, young player, whatever, because contenders are all going to have a space for Bruce Brown. He's a wonderful connector type of piece, very good defensively. He's improved from three-point land, good passer, good rebounder for his size, just an energy guy who makes the right plays. Someone's going to want that dude, and if the Raptors move him out, that opens up presumably 25 to 30 extra minutes, and more than anything, just an opportunity to have a few more shots and be more of uh, an engaged participant. Because Gary Trent played 29 and a half minutes in their last ball game, but he only took eight shots. He had six points, two boards, and two assists. That's not all that close to fantasy value. So what's the downside here? Well, the downside here is that uh, even if Gary Trent gets 30 minutes plus, there's no guarantee that he gets enough shots to make headway. This is even if Bruce Brown gets out of his way because Scotty Barnes is going to be the lead dog. R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly are the sort of secondary dudes on that team, which pushes even a best-case Gary Trent Jr. down to the fourth offensive option. That usually doesn't mean more than 10 or 11 shots per ballgame, and for a guy who relies on threes and steals and then consequently points to make his fantasy headway, I don't know if 10 shots a game is going to be enough. So is Gary Trent a guy that could step into a bigger role? Yes. Is the role actually going to be big enough? The answer is still probably no, but that's why he makes the board as a possible stash candidate because there is a pathway to him getting enough minutes, and there is a pathway. It's going to require some adjustments, and he's going to have to just get more aggressive and a little bit wacky and wild to him getting enough shots to post some sort of fantasy value. So he's the first name on the list, but again, grain of salt, because in all likelihood, he doesn't get to actual fantasy value anyway, but he's a guy to think about. Onyeka Okongwu is the next name on the list, and he's a guy that's kind of in an active play stash slash stash all year long anyway. He's number 112 while largely playing the backup role to Clint Capella, who's only missed a handful of games so far this year, and that's been a little bit of a downer when it comes to Okongwu, because I think Okongwu's only played one game more than Capella this year, meaning there just hasn't been that much of an opportunity for him to thrive with Clint out. And that's what you're banking on now, which is that can Capella get moved at the trade deadline? Have the Hawks hit a point where they feel like they could either recoup some sort of assets and, I don't know, do you say go into a little bit of a sale posture? We know that DeJounte Murray's on the block, so why wouldn't Clint Capella be on the block? He has only one more year on his contract. That's to, that's next season, $22 million, which is not nothing. But this, the rest of this season is fairly affordable. He's a very good traditional center rebounder around the rim, shot-blocking type. And you got to figure that there's some team out there that could use him that probably would prefer him as more of a rental. So the fact that he does have 20-some-odd million on his contract for next year does make this situation a little bit more complicated. But the reason that Okong was on the board is that it doesn't really hurt you right now to just have him on your roster. He's good enough right now 
to be a guy you can play in almost every format. As someone who's ranked between 100 and 125, he's sort of right on that fringe line for 12-teamers. But competitive leagues, he's a go. And now you're at an opportunity, and the reason why I call him a stash here is maybe you could buy on him, pay a little bit of a very tiny premium, maybe a tiny bit more than he's worth right now, on the chance that Capella gets moved and Okongwu becomes a top 50 guy. That's a big leap for him to possibly take. He's one of my favorites on this board because the downside is super low. The downside here is that Capella doesn't get moved, which by and large is still the more likely scenario. I want to try to like buffer each of these conversations with the idea that like most of these stash ideas don't really make sense just from a like, should you use a roster spot on this guy? But for Okongwu, because you'd be using a roster spot on a guy you can actually start in most formats, it doesn't really hurt you very much. So that's why I think I like him as maybe my favorite on this board, because the downside is minimal. The downside is he continues to be a fringe startable 12-teamer, and the upside is through the roof. But I guess you kind of have to think about where Capella would go. The Mavericks would be an interesting team, because they've got Derek Lively, who they like a lot, but he's still a rookie and makes a lot of sort of, I don't want to say dumb mistakes, but rookie mistakes. You saw him pop up in that Laker game a bunch of times. The Mavs, I'm sure, would love to have a proven, viable rim-running center who doesn't make those kinds of mistakes, and that's a guy like Capella. And the Mavs have some assets they could send back. So why shouldn't a thing like this happen? We've heard the Mavs linked to Daniel Gafford for the Wizards. Why wouldn't they be linked to Capella as well? Well, he's a little bit more expensive, I guess, but you're looking sort of at the same general idea of what they're trying to accomplish. Next name on the list is Asar Thompson, who uh, has been in and out of the rotation. He's coming off a big ball game, um, basically the morning that I'm recording this show. He played 32 minutes. There was no Isaiah Stewart for the Pistons in that game. This is really about a team that is uh, going to be, a, a, I mean, for the Pistons, like, they're pretty terrible already. Um, but would they then finally just lean into the youth situation? We saw what Thompson can do at the beginning of the year when he was cut loose, and he had all the adrenaline and energy in the world. And now we've seen what the middle of a season can do to him, uh, where the long, arduous grind of an NBA campaign has basically taken the legs out from underneath him. Um, this one is... is not so much a deadline-related stash. It's not like we think a bunch of guys are going to get out of the way, but yes, Alec Burks is a candidate to get moved. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich is a candidate to get moved. The Pistons have a couple of veterans. I think they want to keep them because the rest of the team is so damn young. They need some sort of veteran out there to, to try to lead the young guys in some kind of meaningful way and just a mentorship role. So I don't know that guys necessarily move, but I think what you might see happen with the Pistons is that they just take the veterans and instead of playing them 30 minutes a ball game, they just slide them to the backdrop and say, look, your job now, we're terrible. We're going to get a really good draft pick. Your job now, veteran, is not to play, but to coach. I need you guys coaching these dudes down the stretch. I need you to coach up Azar Thompson. I need you to coach up Jaden Ivey and Cade Cunningham and get the young guys figuring out how to play basketball in a more meaningful and and productive way and just a way that leads to wins decrease turnovers decrease mental mistakes better your defense somehow 
And Thompson feels like a guy that the Pistons are going to want to develop during that part of the year. Along with Jalen Duran and Cade and Ivy. And I guess you could kind of say those four guys are the young core for the Pistons now. So is there many reasons not to turn Thompson loose down the stretch? Not as far as I'm seeing. Someone in the chat room saying, I really doubt that Detroit trades Thompson. That's not what I said. They're trading guys that would be in front of him. This is not he gets traded. These are trade deadline stashes, guys that could see a benefit based on things that happen around the trade deadline. So it's a situation where guys that are in front of him might get out of the way, whether it's by trade or just teams saying, okay, you know what? It's time for you, young guy, to play. But I think we may now get a, a sense after February 8th, or maybe even a little bit after that, of what we saw from Thompson early in the year, which is more like in inside that sort of 60 to 100 range, depending on how much the percentages hurt you during that stretch, but better rebounding, better defensive stats, and just frankly, the ability to go out there and play untethered. Because right now the tethers are ridiculous on Thompson. He's not getting run unless he's playing nearly flawless basketball because the Pistons want to be competitive every night. And I get it. They've lost so many ball games that they just can't get blown out right now. It would be too detrimental to their mental state. But Thompson's a guy that would benefit from the team saying, you know what? It doesn't matter. Down the stretch, we get blown out. We don't get blown out. There are enough other teams that are going to be sort of throwing it to the wind. Play our young guys. We'll be competitive just by playing guys that, you know, want to be out there fighting on a nightly basis. And Thompson is a guy that I think is going to want to be out there and fighting on a nightly basis. Fourth name on the list, Bilal Koulibaly. Worked very hard to make sure that we get that French pronunciation right. Koulibaly has a game that's starting in a matter of moments as I'm doing this podcast. Uh, but here's the thing. I have said for months on this show that I didn't think Bilal was an ad. And I continue to maintain he's not an ad in the traditional sense because in 26 minutes a game this year, he's number 230. In nine cat, eight points, four boards, two assists, a little under steal, 0.7 blocks, and a three pointer. But a lot of that for him is playing generally blowout minutes, meaning he gets his minutes they bump up during the games with garbage time. The Wizards, at some point after the trade deadline, and this one may be more of a silly season discussion, but it could tie into the trade deadline because we've also heard that Tyus Jones is one of the most likely players to get moved at the deadline. He's had an outstanding season for the Wizards. There are a lot of teams that could use maybe the best. Last year, he was the best backup point guard in the NBA, and maybe teams want to turn him back into the best backup point guard in the NBA. All that to say, there's a very reasonable market for Tyus Jones, a super efficient guy who can run an offense without turning the ball over and shoot it at a good percentage. The Wizards would be nuts not to try to get something for Tyus back in a trade. And that is not to, I don't know that we can say it unleashes Koulibaly because he also kind of needs Jordan Poole and or Kyle Kuzma not to necessarily get traded because I don't think the, and Kuzma might get moved. I don't think there's any market for Jordan Poole right now. But if one of those two guys gets moved, then we're really in business. And frankly, you could throw some other Wizards on the stash board, although I mean, it, a lot of those guys are actually kind of already rostered, like Denny Avdia would be a guy who would get a pretty big bump. Uh, but you could see uh, Corey Kispert get a, a lift if Kyle Kuzma gets traded. Um, this is all sort of secondary. 
because we know the main guy that they would kind of shoehorn minutes to is Koulibaly. And the problem, of course, is that his fantasy game is not all that robust yet. He doesn't hit that many three-pointers. The steals and blocks are decent, and he doesn't really want to shoot the ball all that much. So that's why we not only need Tyus Jones to get out of the way, but we also need just, like, generalized usage available. We need Koulibaly getting 10, 11 shots a ball a game, where we said that wasn't enough for Gary Trent. That actually probably would be enough for Koulibaly because he does other things. in addition to just scoring. The steals would be good if he was getting 30-some-odd minutes. He'd get more than one steal a game. He might even get a block a game in 30 minutes a night. He might be a one-and-a-half threes, one-and-a-half steal, or not one-and-a-half, maybe 1.2 steals and .9 or one block. That's a pretty damn good starting point. The free throws have to get better. The field goal percent has to get better, which probably won't happen this year. But you get him out there taking 10 shots a game instead of six. Now you're talking about a guy scoring 12, 13 points instead of eight. Or 14, even. Now you're talking about a guy in an extra four, five minutes of ball game, getting five and a half rebounds instead of four. Getting two and a half assists instead of 1.8. Everything floats up, and you just pray that the percentages don't destroy you, because they still could. And I did want to throw one honorable mention name on the board, and he's not necessarily a trade deadline name, and that's Santi Aldama, who I think is maybe more tied to silly season, but if we're talking about stashes, he probably fits under the kind of stash header, which is when do the Grizzlies shut down Jaron Jackson Jr.? I don't think it happens until March, which it probably will happen in late March. We're talking about one, two, two and a half weeks left in the season kind of thing. But he might get some games off here and there. And the guy that benefits from that is Aldama because he's the guy that was slotted in as the power forward next to Xavier Tillman at center, who would also, by the way, get a bump if JJJ gets, gets knocked out for the rest of the year for some reason. So Aldama's a guy, but that's a longer look ahead. Trade deadline, from the time I'm doing this show, the trade deadline is like just under three weeks away. That's pretty damn close. But mid to late March, that's two months still. So I can't recommend stashing somebody for two months that may or may not step into a larger role. That's why Aldama's just an honorable mention. He's not a trade deadline stash. He's more of a silly season stash, but one that could really pop off in a big way along with many other names that maybe we'll do a show on as the silly season gets closer. So, again, to recap here, on our trade deadline stashes list, my favorite of the bunch, probably Onyeka Okongwu, because he's good enough even without a move getting made. My second favorite is Osser Thompson, who I think ends up playing a whole lot more for the Pistons down the stretch. My third favorite is Gary Trent Jr., because we know he's done it before, he needs shots, and it's possible that he gets more aggressive if he knows where he's going to be post-deadline. It's also possible that Trent gets moved somewhere where someone gives him more shots. That would be another win. He could also get moved somewhere where he doesn't. That would be kind of a, a wash. And then my fourth and uh, least favorite from among these names is the guy that probably sees the largest actual bump, but does it actually get him inside the top 100? I still think probably not, and that's Bilal Koulibaly. Those are the four names on your stash board today. And that is my... Uh, show for today. I am again at Dan Bespris over on social media. Please check out our buddies at manscaped.com. Coupon code there is ethos20, ethos20 to get 20% off your order on anything at manscaped.com. Again, follow me over on social and please go drop a like, a pre-like as it were, a pre-thumb on our trade deadline live show where you'll get to hear if any of these stashes pan out, plus hundreds 
of other names with many of the best and finest and my favorite people here from Sports Ethos. They'll all be joining me on the show. Should be a wingding. Have a great Saturday, everybody. We'll be back with you guys on Monday with our weekend in review episode. We'll get you some ads and drops for the week ahead. And that's a little under two days from now. So long for the time being. Stash at your own risk. But you asked, and now you can say I did it. Later, everybody. Later, everybody.